0: Hello there, and welcome to episode 37 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about The Devil Is Not Mocked. It is the last story from episode um, 6, season 2. It is uh, written and directed by Gene Kearney, and based on the short story by Manly Wade Wellman. And this is um, not the first time that... uh, Wellman's works being used as an adaptation for a TV show, his um, Valley uh, of the... uh, uh, The Valley was Still was adapted as Still Valley for season three of Twilight Zone uh, back in 1961.
1: Oscar Wilde said something to the effect that if there were not a devil we'd very likely invent him. He serves many a purpose and this grim-visaged character here is proof of that rather bitter pudding in a story that tells what happens when evil collides with evil. The painting is called The Devil Is Not Mocked."
0: So, a story is about the Nazis, and, and they're, uh, they're heading their way across uh, Europe. Uh, they're in the Balkans now, and um, they are taking over a castle led by General von Grun, who is played by Helmut Dantin. Um, this castle is thought to be uh, part of the resistance movement for that area. But uh, when they uh, they they rock up to the castle, they they, they find not instead a um, you know a cliched kind of men in berets, French resistance types, but instead an impeccably dressed and well-spoken man, who is the master of the castle, and that's played by uh, Francis Lederer. Um, you know he's a he has a fetching cloak and seems to be quite um, he seems like aristocracy. Um, the suspicious. These, uh, the Nazis, but still set up in the castle and to find out to the surprise that there is a banquet waiting for them and uh, the general and the master of the castle start to banter about who exactly is the resistance, where they are and what this fine feast is doing on the table.
1: I assure, General, the food is harmless and superbly prepared. There are beds for you and for the officers. The servants downstairs are eager to do everything within their power to make the visit of your troops as memorable as possible. You seek to attach yourself to me, win my confidence and uh, learn our battle plans, right? I'm merely proud of my homeland, General. We have an historic tradition of hospitality. You have no homeland. You are doorstep to the Ukraine. you become a mat on which we wipe our boots before re-entering the fatherland. General! It is delicious. There's goose, sauerkraut, sweet potatoes, spätzle. The bread's still warm. Good. You will join me. Please Uh, sit down. I will show your company, General, but if you forgive the eccentricity, I do not sup before midnight. What a foolish, primitive custom! Under the Third Reich, all this will change. Goose, ah. So we discover
0: that uh, while all this food there, our uh, our count will only eat after midnight. Which is, uh, if I were you, would give a bit of a warning, but warning sign. And indeed, the general starts to get a little edge. he's he's talking still strong terms, but uh, he's he's very much starting to get an eye, keep an eye on the clock. And so the, um, oh well, we hear the clock strikes midnight, wolves begin to howl, there are screams in the courtyard, and we see one, uh, one natty run into the, um, run into the room where the counselor general are, uh, only to be dragged out again, his fingernails clawing at the floorboards and leaving a trail of scratches on the floor. Um, the general uh, looks out the window and sees incredible horrors in front of him and uh, panics. And then when he, um, he looks back, he sees the counters changed in his appearance, his eyes are now blood red, his fingernails are long and pointed, and he has fangs and he begins to move towards him.
1: Useless <laughs> General. If the bullets were silver, it would, of course, be a different story. You must forgive my servants and our primitive Transylvanian customs. If it's any consolation, General, this is the headquarters of the secret resistance. And I'm its proud commander, Count Dracula.
0: So the big payoff being, of course, that um, our man is in fact Dracula, trying to state his, you know, keep his uh, his castle safe, and uh, this evil group of, uh, of of soldiers who've caused so much mayhem across uh, Europe have um, met their match with some viewers even more dangerous and even more evil. Um, <clears throat> okay, for the story, um, I think. Uh, the first thing you need to do is obviously mention the casting for it. Um, we've got Helmut Dantin, who uh, was known as somebody who played you know Nazi officers, that kind of stuff quite a lot, and also uh, Francis Lederer, who was uh, had played Dracula in the past in the uh, the Return of Dracula, nineteen fifty eight film. Um, they're good, you know what I mean? They've, they've, again, you know they've, they've done well with the casting, which kind of gives this story a good a great deal of weight. Um, We were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Orson Welles narration, giving that version of Simon Stowe's Secret Snow a very, very strong and forceful feel. And I think with this, it's a similar kind of thing. And um, these are characters that the audience will recognise and know and have a certain feel for. Um, for, for, uh, We've just got a quote here uh, from uh, the co-star Hank Brandt who uh, is, is the gentleman who uh, gets attacked quite, uh, quite viciously and has to get himself dragged f- f- across the floor with his fingernails. Helmut Dantine was not, en- not anything like I expected. Uh, I was expecting somebody who was kind of gruff and Germanic and he was very pleasant, very continental. I remember sitting down and having a cup of coffee with him and Francis and they were just lovely, lovely gentlemen. They had some great stories about Hollywood in the 30s and 40s and I was in awe of their background. I mean, my God. Francis have been in the business for a hundred years. I think that's a really nice way of, of showing, you know, these these characters and the you know the, the banter that that between the two is very strong in the piece. And I think that really obviously comes from many years' experience. Um, as well, I think there was. Um, I mean, it's This is an example, possibly, of a time when um, the uh, the restrictions for TV probably helped the story. Uh, Kearney decides not to show a full-out gory kind of uh, scene in, in the uh, in the courtyard as people are getting pulled apart by wolves and all this horror going on. Instead, we see just the reactions from the uh, from, from, from the general, and I think that really helps. It makes it, um, you know, obviously the horrors in your mind possibly better than than what they would have been able to pull off on that budget, and uh, certainly you know it would have looked a bit daft. And also. Um, they wouldn't have been able to do the scene justice because it wouldn't—it would have just had to have been cut down because of uh being on television at only ten o'clock. Um, <clears throat> uh, the effects are okay, I suppose. Um, our, our old world, worldy kind of Count Dracula is uh, decent enough, you know. Red eyes—he's very traditional as a sense of being that kind of, um, you know, that kind of baddie who's. Quite vicious-looking, and you know, an old-school. I would say, like a Christopher Lee kind of, kind of Dracula, you know, very arist, you know, arist- an aristocrat or or, um, or royalty, but you know, I very much a count. But at the same time, um, yeah, when he turns it on, he can do it with quite quite viciousness and venom. Um, with the story, um, Kearney. Decides to hold back on what's actually happening for quite some time. Um, basically, you know, it's it's meant to be. A, I, I think it's meant to be a shock reveal. Although the fact that if you actually um, cast somebody who was Dracula as a count with a cloak, I wonder exactly how many people aren't going to pick up on that. And um, I think that was an error in his judgments to uh, to change the original story by uh, by Manly Wade Wellman. To this kind of drum roll, it's Count Dracula, especially if you call him Count Dracula. I think you need, you know, it. it it's good. I mean, it, it's good that it, you know, it, it kind of tries to do something a little different. Uh, but I, I wonder how many people were actually surprised by the reveal, or how many people were kind of felt a bit like, oh, you can't just be a vampire, can he? And then obviously, he hears one. Um, at the same time, though, you know, it's it's there's quite a bit of fun to it. Um, it is, um, you know, it's it's a nice piece, and it's a good it's a good fun piece. Um, I think, you know, the fact that at the end, well, well, the fact that it's Count Dracula for starters, but also at the end, once after he goes in and, and you know bites our general's neck, um, we uh, we cut away to a very much like uh, you know, and that's how I won the war kind of kind of chat with what appears to be his grandson although again I mean they've they've aged the counts as if a vampire would age which seems um, rather silly but um, you know again it's a bit of fun um, it's a lot better than some of the other throwaway shorter stories um, it isn't I mean you know it runs at somewhere in the region of about yeah it's, it's 11 minutes so I wouldn't say it's like, you know, one of these two or three minute blackout jobbies, which is kind of what, you know... Although Count Dracula is, is the kind of character, and Vampires and Werewolves the kind of characters that always feature in those. So it has that kind of silly feel, but I think it's a lot stronger than that, as it is normally. And, you know, there's a wittiness to it. But um, I wouldn't say much more than that, really. Um, a bit of fun. And, um Yeah. I think that's probably fair to leave it at that. Really, to be honest.
1: And that dear child is <clears> how <throat> oh, your grandfather served his country in the Great War.
0: Um, just a bit of housekeeping, just to finish off. Um you can contact us if you go to our website, which is probably the easiest way to go, www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com uh, There's also links to our Facebook and our Twitter. Um, or you can email me if you want to say hello. My email address is Chris at the com. Also, um, if you want to get hold of me, my private well, private, my personal Twitter account is at orange underscore monkey. Uh, you can find me there. Say hello if you want. And um, also, um, well, if you want to, you know, we're always w- willing to welcome them for some feedback. Uh, the website is, you know, it is growing and uh, quite well. And uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's lots of different stuff on there which you can you can take a look at. Um, next week we are dealing with. Midnight Never Ends, um, which is a Rod Serling script. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting one. It was. Re- it's a, one of the one of the few ones that were, was properly rewritten. Um, not as much as different ones, but it, it did have a rewrite to it. Um, I think it gives me an opportunity to talk again about the uh, the problems between Laird and Sailing in a bit more detail. So we'll do that next week. Um, but until then. Take care, bye. <laughs>